Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Matt Avery. I'm the pastor here at Midtown West and uh, really thankful that you're here. A couple announcements for us today. Um, first is um, we've talked a lot in this season about tending the garden of our souls in this season of uh, quarantine. We believe that the Lord is leading us to the spiritual disciplines. And so uh, a word on giving. Um, if Midtown West is your church home, we would invite you to give. If you... Uh, are just visiting, then feel no pressure to do that. And uh, just a word on that, if the Lord calls us to give to financially to where, um, or to our church body, but it's, it's really more for you than it is for him because um, he says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Um, he will accomplish all of his purposes um, and nobody can get in the way of that. But he also says that um, something happens for you when you give, um, he, does, he does something with that discipline um, in your soul and, and there's something about entrusting him by giving away some of your own resources to make your life work on your own terms and trusting him to do that for you. And so um, I would invite you, if, if giving is something that's brand new and, and that's not been a regular rhythm of yours, um, I know this sounds silly, but like even if it's something like very tiny amount every week, and it's something that you do every week, um, I promise you that over time that will be powerful. And so I invite you to consider that. Two, um, this is our second week of having uh, a lot of Kid Town here. Uh, we're still operating at like part capacity for Kid Town. We've got ages three and up. And so um, we, I just wanna say again, um, we're so thankful for these kids that are here and there will definitely be more coming. Um, and this, this is a family and so, um, it is our heart's desire that everybody gets to know these kids and loves them and considers them a part of their family because um, the Lord has put them in our presence to uh, make the gospel known to them in word and deed. Um, they're such a, it's such a beautiful place in life where they're so open uh, to learning about who God is and who they are. And so we wanna be um, the brothers and sisters that come alongside these, these very little brothers and sisters and help them believe the truth of the gospel. So um, if all of our Kid Town leaders and uh, shepherds and uh, kids would, uh, could go now, um, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I mean that in a loving way. Uh, yeah, something we say here too is um, there's no junior Holy Spirit. We want our kids to be a part of our worship, but um, now when we get into the teaching portion, uh, we want them to hear the gospel in ways that are age appropriate for them. Um, and lastly, uh, actually, Yes, lastly, um, I'm trying to, guys, I'm having a hard time tonight. My, my brain's everywhere. Um, Hugh and Holland Dillon, who are part of our body, um, they are asking for prayer because Hugh has sepsis, which is like a, a blood infection that can be really serious. And he's in the hospital. He's had a, this whole week, they've been trying to figure out what's going on. They finally figured out like the category of what's going on. And so um, I'm just gonna pause before uh, we give y'all a second to greet each other and lift them up in prayer. Father, you are, you are healer, you are sustainer, you are Lord. Uh, we don't take a breath that uh, you don't supply us. And so Lord, I pray that we would live in the reality of that more and more and uh, just be so grateful for the life that you are always giving us. Um, Lord, we lift up Hugh and Holland now. We pray for them, we pray uh, for Hugh's body to recover, Lord, that you would give him life and health and healing, and that you would take care of everything that is broken, you would mend it. Um, Lord, be, be with the doctors and give them wisdom as they continue to care for him. 
And, and Father, maybe, maybe more than that, I pray for their hearts, Lord, that you would um, guard and protect them against the schemes of the evil one that would make them uh, want to doubt your love for them, would make them want to um, believe that they are alone and that you are not uh, lovingly caring for them as you always are. So Lord, would you just guard them and give them your peace? And um, we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so if y'all would take a second and uh, turn and greet people around you, and, uh, and then we'll come back. Hey, are you using scripture? Yes. Okay, I just, I didn't know yet. Just wanna make sure. This is your scripture. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> I'm just playing Where's the Water with him. I can find the person with the scripture passage. Just to redouble, is that, that's good, right? First this one. Yeah, 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 okay. that's perfect. I'm to make sure I didn't set you up like I did Tom. I was just going to Hey, the hand mic is up there. And so I'm just, I'm gonna go call us back and do like an intro and then I'll get you to come up and read the passage. Sound good? Thank you, brother. No, it's okay, man. It's just, yeah, it's been a, this week's just been a funky week. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know how much is allergies and how much is like spiritual warfare, but. Yeah, spiritual allergies. <laughs> so, anyway. All right, I'm gonna get up there. All right, y'all, we're gonna come back together. Um, so something that you guys need to know is that um, I was a little bit of a child prodigy when it came to golf, in my own mind. Um, my dad played golf and was, was very good at golf, and I grew up around a lot of people who played, and uh, so I was always out on the course uh, for my middle school years especially, and uh, my poor dad, I like saw a preview of what's to come with my sons in the, the battles that we fought on the golf course of dad just trying to lovingly helped me understand how to play golf because he loved me and wanted me to enjoy this game. And uh, I was just bent on doing things my own way. And there's one time in particular, I remember uh, we were playing together and this, this hole that we were on was uh, at our, our local public golf course, um, hugged a fence line. And uh, there's just a ton of huge overgrown grass on the other side of the fence. And so if you went over the fence, your ball was just gone. And um, something else you need to know about me is I was a very stubborn kid. And so got up to the tee box and um, just hooked it like crazy. And it just flew right into that grass right over the fence, was not getting that ball back. And uh, dad just very lovingly said, hey, Matt, um, just a couple things. Like if you would just adjust your grip and just, just pull your grip around. And if you, you know, just a couple things. And I mean, the whole time it was just like R. Kelly. I was like... My dad's telling me no, but my body's telling me to line up like this. And I just hooked it, 
And then I went to my bag and hooked it again and hooked it again. It was like 10 cup, have you ever seen 10 cup? And I just sent about seven balls into the long grass. And dad was just like, you know, just face palm, like I don't even know what to do anymore. And um, so needless to say, golf was something that um, I never, never really mastered because what I couldn't do was I couldn't get over what, what felt right. And it was like, I, I know you're telling me to hold the club like this, but I, this does not feel good. This feels so unnatural and so strange. And so I, I am not gonna hold the club like this. And I'm gonna trust myself and trust my feelings and trust what I know. And I should do that because uh, you're about a five handicap and I'm about a 500 <laughs> handicap. So it's good for me to trust myself here. Um, but that's, that's a little bit of what we're talking about today in this passage. Um, if you've been with us, we're going through this letter uh, it's called First Thessalonians. Paul, helped, he planted this church. He was hanging out with these people, sharing the gospel with them for about a month. And then he left and some months have passed and now there's just been a lot of opposition. And so he's, he's writing to them in the midst of affliction, in the midst of a lot of um, unknowns. And he's writing a lot about joy and a lot about where to find joy. And uh, so in this passage, Paul's been encouraging them about how much God loves them, um, that the gospel is true. And here in this passage, it starts to work itself out into practical everyday life. So I'm gonna get um, Quinn to come read our passage for us. And, um, and here Paul is telling us that our joy is gonna be found in saying no to ourselves. Okay, so um, this, is, this is really important for us because um, just broad brush before we dig into this passage, um, at a high level, you can see Paul saying, hey, some of this stuff you guys are doing really well and some of this stuff um, I really need to talk to you about because this is really important. And um, the reason that's so important is because part of what Paul's saying here is like we cannot trust our feelings um, and we cannot trust our culture as the final word and, and what's good for us. Um, he's, he's talking a lot about sex here because um, like us, uh, maybe even more so, uh, the, the Thessalonians were living in a culture that was just swimming in sexual immorality. It was just, sex was so disconnected from the soul and so um, trivial that it was just, 
everybody was sort of turning and winking at adultery and there were um, prostitution was rampant. It was a part of a lot of temples where people were worshiping these idols. It was just in everything. It was just sex on, on your terms all the time, anytime. Um, and it was just all about you, all about you feeling fulfilled. And so um, Paul is coming with this radically different way to live that uh, obviously is, is not always gonna feel um, better and feel appropriate to these people. But I wanna, I wanna start with uh, verse three where he says, um, the will of God, like we should just stop there, like the will of God. Like it seems like we're, we're always looking for the will of God. Am I off? It's weird. Okay, lose this. Okay. I don't need anything. <laughs> Just need the gospel. It's all. Amen, brother. I mean, we should just stop there, right? Like the will of God. I mean, how many times have <laughs> we, I just think about it in college all the time, like what is the will of God for me? And, and what, what do I mean when I say that in college? What are, what are the two things everybody's looking for? College people? Straight A's. <laughs> Straight A's. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> what, what, what are you trying to figure out before you leave college? Huh? Your whole life, yeah. I think about, well, maybe it's just me, but the things I was trying to figure out the will of God for my life is what am I supposed to do? Like, what career am I supposed to have? And who am I supposed to marry? And it's just the will of God was always this really circumstantial thing that was whatever I was really interested in at the time. And Paul says here, the will of God is your sanctification. And that is a big word that we don't use every day. And so I want to stop here and just talk about sanctification a little bit. What is that? It's, it's the Holy Spirit working in me and me working alongside God in the power of the Holy Spirit to become fully like Christ. That is the program that, that God has all of us on, is we are being matured into full Christ-likeness. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image that is the image of Jesus. We are all being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So there's, a, there's this thing that's happening in us now because the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in us. Um, we are being made and we are working alongside to make ourselves, but it's never in our own power. It's always in the power of the Spirit. Um, the Lord is supplying everything that we need to be on this journey of becoming made like Jesus. And so right out of the gate, he says here that a big part of sanctification is saying no to ourselves. And it's not just around, the area, around this area of sex. That's, that's probably the most strongly felt. But it's, it's learning how to say no to myself and my desires. It's learning how to abstain. 
It's learning how to refrain. It's learning how to put down. It's learning how to stop. Why? We're going to hang with me here. We're going to go through a few verses, but this is, I think, really important. 1 Peter 2.11 says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. So, so one thing here is that not all of the desires that I feel are good for me. And, and uh, actually a lot of the desires that I feel are, are fighting to kill my soul. And he says, um, Paul says in Galatians 5.17, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So again, I'm going to desire to do things that are in opposition not only to my soul, but also to the spirit. And part of what he's saying there when we put those two things together is that the spirit is for my soul. When the, when the spirit of God comes and lives in me, he is, he is working for life and health and flourishing of my soul. His program to make me like Christ, to make me fully mature, to remake me, to transform me back, redeem me into the full image of God that is most beautifully and perfectly expressed in Christ is his will, and that is what's best for me. That is where I will flourish. That is where I will find life. Because listen to this, y'all, the fruit of the Spirit, wherever the Spirit is, this is what he brings. This is what he works. This is what he produces. Galatians 5, and 23, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So when I'm pursuing my desires, I'm looking for these things. I'm looking for love, right? I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for joy. I'm looking for fulfillment. But my, desire, my desires are deceitful. And it's, it's saying no. It's saying no to those desires and to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me to those things because he alone can lead me to those things. That's what he does when he comes and works in our life. Um, it's like if you want to think about um, eating or diet, you know, there's, there's freedom in restriction. You know, our bodies were made to take in nutrients and to eat a certain way. And so um, if I say that I'm totally free when it comes to eating, and instead of water, I'm just filling myself with Coca-Cola all day long, and I'm eating 24-7 around the clock, and I'm just eating donuts all day long, and I'm eating whatever I want. I'm just on a steady diet of Doritos and donuts and Coke. I'm free, right? I am, I can do that. But am I really free? No, no, no. I mean, if you've ever tried that, you're not free. Um, but I mean, you know, we're made to work a certain way. I can, I can decide to make my own rules for how the body is made to function and the digestive system is made to function, but I can't change reality. And so real freedom is actually when I line myself up with the reality of what is healthy for my digestive system. Um, and that's when I'm free. Um, Tim Keller says it like this. 
In many areas of life, freedom is not so much the absence of restrictions as finding the right ones, the liberating restrictions. Those that fit with the reality of our nature and the world produce greater power and scope for our abilities and a deeper joy and fulfillment. If we only grow intellectually, vocationally, and physically through judicious constraints, I love Tim Keller. Who else says judicious constraints? Why would it not also be true for spiritual and moral growth? Instead of insisting on freedom to create spiritual reality for ourselves, shouldn't we be seeking to discover spiritual reality as it is and disciplining ourselves to live in, a, in accordance with it? And that's what Paul is saying here. It's like, I know, trust me, I know what feels good and I know what you think you need and I know what you think you want and I know that you think you know where life is, but I'm telling you that there, again, is a spiritual war. We've talked about this. There are spiritual forces at work that you cannot see and your flesh is working against the Holy Spirit, against your own soul and it's trying to master you. And so here he says, each one of you should know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. We need to be mastering it, not the other way around. It's like if I'm doing work with a chainsaw, that chainsaw is really powerful. Let's say, let's say it's just a power saw so I can get this metaphor right. Um, if I'm in my house working with a power saw, um, good and beautiful things happen when I control the power saw if I know what I'm doing. But that power saw is powerful. And if I just follow the urge of the power saw, it's not beautiful, that's not freedom. My house is gonna be destroyed because I'm the one that's supposed to be driving that power saw, not the other way around. And why this matters so deeply, this next few verses here, verse six through eight, Paul is, is writing this to these people so that, that, that we would abstain, that we would know how to control our bodies, so that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives the Holy Spirit to you. What Paul is saying is, this is really serious. I'm telling you this, I'm warning you this, because if you continue down this road, the Lord is an avenger. That, that word in, in verse six, he says, I'm writing you this so that nobody would transgress and nobody would wrong his brother in this. When you uh, translate those two words, what he's saying is so that nobody will, one, violate God's law. So there's this, this violation uh, against God, but also that no one would transgress against his brother, that nobody would, that, that word in the Greek is to use like a, a tool for my own gain, for my own greed. That when I engage in 
sex outside the bounds of what God has prescribed and told me is good for health and flourishing, um, however I pursue that, I'm like, um, there's no love there. I'm, I'm using other people as a tool for my gain and my pleasure out of my greed. I'm no longer loving you. I'm thinking about myself and trying to satisfy myself no matter what form that takes, and no matter how willing the other person is to go along with your self-satisfying plan. You know, I think about as a a father um, having kids, you know, little kids don't know, they don't know everything. They don't know what's good for them and what's not good for them, and so, if I happen upon one of my sons doing something to another one of my sons, um, even if the other son's going along with it, like, hey, let's, let's pretend you have a parachute and stand you up on top of this balcony and get you to jump off onto this stack of pillows. Um, even if the other son is going along with it, that's not okay, right? Like, he's still a victim in this scenario because this is not good for him. And so here, God is saying, Look, it doesn't matter what the other person says. What matters is is this, you and they are too precious. I will will not stand by and have what is precious to me violated. He says in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Paul says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And, and God is saying here, like, there, there are many things at play here that are too precious to me. One is my Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus Christ dwells in his people. It is of infinite worth. He is of infinite worth, and he comes and dwells with us. We are now united with him in Christ and he dwells within our bodies. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're not our own. And then us, both the victim and the perpetrator, because at the end of the day, we're all both, right? We're all victims. We're all perpetrators. And, And God says, no, 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 no. You are my sons and daughters. You are too precious. And so when he says God is an avenger, he is saying not just for the people that I'm, using to sin sexually, but for me too. And, and here's one thing that you can count on. If you are in Christ, if you are a son or daughter of God, if you are engaging in sexual sin is what we're talking about here, but any kind of sin like this, um, habitually, uh, he's not gonna let you rest because he loves you too much. And he loves the other people involved too much. And so you can count on, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're gonna be the first one to get caught. (laughs) You're going to be the first one that it blows up in your face, and that's because he loves you. He's not going to let you just go endlessly down this road that leads to death because he cares too much about you. You are too precious to him. His Holy Spirit that he's given you is too precious to him. He's not going to allow that to happen. He's an avenger because he is a loving father. He is a loving father who loves his children so much So that when, you know, like when two of my sons are fighting with each other, I'm not going to let that happen because I love both of them. And just like that scenario with with my boys and I, like 
There is no scenario in which if, if you are in Christ, he is never going to stop loving you, okay? So if you, if you were fighting against sexual sin, if you were fighting against any sin, and you find yourself sinning and doing what you know is wrong, you don't ever, ever, ever have to worry that he is going to stop loving you. Because you are his son, you are his daughter, he has put his spirit in you, he will finish the good work that he started in you. But you better believe that he is not gonna allow you to stay where you are. And he's gonna make it so uncomfortable and, and he is gonna allow, we don't like to talk about this very much, but he is gonna allow whatever pain is necessary to wake you up. Why? Not because he's, angry and just wants to exercise his power, but because he loves you. And he will wake you up, and, and we can do it the easy way or the hard way. But you are too precious to him. He says you were bought with a price. Don't ask me how I found this, but um, I discovered that on eBay, there's a man named Ian Usher who put his entire life up for auction. That's ridiculous, right? Including his house in Perth, which I don't know where that is. Does anybody know where that is? Australia, Australia. okay, thank you. Uh, it was a quiz, I knew. I was just seeing if you knew. <laughs> his house in Perth, his belongings, an introduction to his friends, and a trial at his job. Like literally his whole life, he was putting up for auction. And his life sold for $384,000 to allow him a fresh start. That's why he was doing this. But the, the reason I read that is because it's, it's weird. But beyond that is, like, something is worth what you pay for it, right? I mean, think about, like, a, a Mickey Mantle rookie card. or I mean, that's a piece of paper. That's a piece of, like, cardboard-type paper. But people are going to pay millions of dollars for this. It's worth whatever somebody's going to pay for it. And you and I were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. You are precious, you have infinite value because infinite value was paid for you. And so God says, I'm not fooling around with you because you are too precious to me. You are entirely too precious to me. And so... Where does the power come from to live like this? Where does the power come from to say no? Because this sounds really good. And I think probably if most of y'all are tracking with me, most of you are like, yeah, that's, I'm for that. But like, how do, how do I begin to do this? How do I begin to walk down this road where I, I learn how to say no to these desires? And, and the answer is that, again, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Listen to this from 2 Timothy 1.7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I'm going to read that one more time. If you, if you are in Christ, if you are a son or daughter of God, you have the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and it is a spirit not of fear, but of sonship. It's a spirit of power and love and self-control. So the Spirit of God dwelling in you is, is making you powerful 
to abstain from these deceitful desires. He is increasing your love for Jesus and all that is good and beautiful. And he is giving you this gift that only comes from the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit of self-control, as he is leading you to love and joy and peace and goodness and a, a beautiful life. Um, a few months ago, I started going to climb Nashville and doing some indoor climbing. It's really fun. Scott McKinney is really good at climbing. Um, but I was there the other day, and one of my favorite things to do is to find a route that's hard for me to do, and it's like working a puzzle. And I go, and I do it over and over and over again. And I, I study it. I try to figure out where I went wrong and how to get past whatever place I'm stuck at. And it is like one of the most rewarding feelings um, to get past this place where you were previously stuck. And there was this one route that's been up for a while, and I've tried it six or seven times. And this, there's just this one place on the route that like I literally, getting to that place was no problem, but like I literally saw nowhere to go from there. I was like, just, I would sit and stare at this route and, and just think like, and I, I felt like I tried every way possible. Like, what if I do this? What if I put my hand here, or foot here, or whatever? Nothing worked. Nothing, it wasn't even like close. It wasn't like, oh, oh, that's it. I just need to like do it a little better. It was like, I can't even see. Like, I cannot even see a way up this thing. And so the other day I was there and I was taking a water break and I watched and this dude was at the top and he was coming down. And so I went over to him and I said, hey man, you gotta tell me how you got past this place in the middle. And he was like, oh yeah. Yeah, you want me to go up there again and, and show you real quick? And I was like, yeah, please. And so he, he gets up to the part that I was having a hard time with and then he goes really slowly and he just walks and talks me through it. And he's like, okay, so then I put my hand here and you really gotta watch out for this, but then you put your other hand here and he shows me how to get past it. And guess what? I did it. I did it right after he showed me that. And it was like just this uh, mind-blowing moment where I felt like that's exactly what we're talking about here. It's like if, if I will stop and just be quiet and be still and allow the Holy Spirit to speak and listen to him speak, if I will listen to him speak through God's word, if I will listen to him speak through God's people, if I will listen to him speak quietly in prayer, he will lead me. He promises. Jesus says when he's talking about giving us the Holy Spirit, the spirit who is coming will lead you into all truth. And just like this dude at Climb Nashville, like if I would just be quiet and follow him and ask for help. Hey, I can't do this on my own. Will you show me? Sure, I'll show you. I'll talk you through it. I'll do whatever it takes because I'm leading you somewhere good. And so as we learn how to say no and stop, what does this mean for us? It means that in a world of noise, in a world of just fractured, frenzied movement toward everything that's shiny, like a bunch of dogs chasing cars, that peace is actually a possibility now in Christ. That joy and rest are actually possibilities now for me in Christ. That living a life that is good and beautiful, that is attractive, is possible now because he is gonna be leading us away from these deceitful desires that are 
just zipping us everywhere at a thousand miles an hour and leading us towards somewhere good. Father, thank you. Thank you for not leaving us alone. Thank you for, thank you for not telling us to say no to these desires and stopping there. Thank you for, for telling us to say no after you've given us the power to say no and given us a deeper desire that we were made for so that saying no to that first desire is actually what enables me to follow the desire that my heart was made for, which is life in you. And Father, I pray for all of us here in this community that is Midtown West, Lord, I pray that you would continue to teach us how to say no. Continue to teach us how to be quiet and listen to your voice, to live into the power that you've already given us, that's ours in Christ, to know how precious we are to you, and to turn and, and run toward you, run toward the one that our hearts were made for. And I pray that you would do this in Jesus' name, amen.